Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series show podcast where we talk about Batman the Animated Series, or in this case, we are Bat-Ass Beyond, talking about Batman Beyond. My name is Clay McCormick, and with me, as always, is Sean Murphy. How are you doing, Sean? So I'm drawing some Batman yesterday, and I have this flashback scene at the circus where uh, Bruce first meets Dick. Dick's parents have just died. It's all sad. He's being consoled by clowns and an elephant. And I had some other circus people standing around mourning him. And I drew a bearded lady. And as I was sending it in, I'm like, should I get rid of the bearded lady? Is mm. that not politically correct anymore? You know, talking about tra- trans rights, like making fun of someone who's trans or maybe a bearded lady is just a lady wearing a beard and she's hijacking the trans movement for her own bottom line, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. And then I thought, well, circuses aren't really politically correct anymore either. So yeah, uh, I'll just leave it in. And people happen to notice that this dude has boobs. Great. If not, that's fine too. Yeah. I don't know where the, where the, the, the circus performer falls on that hierarchy of appropriate or inappropriate. Cause I mean, I'm sure the, the short answer is, probably mm-hmm. not appropriate but it's not like they didn't exist like those people did exist whether or not they were right you know uh appropriating something or not so i guess it's not yeah. i guess it, it's it's disingenuous to yeah. not include it but right if there's and do you have a werewolf boy in there too yeah i mean so let's say you have uh your uh gender unique or uh you have more hair on your face than you should and you're 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 you can in that in life you can either be a writer when no one ever sees you or you're joining the circus. Sorry, mm-hmm. it's 1850 and these are the rules. <laughs> yeah. I was going to so, say we need to specify this is like the 1800s yeah. or not not <laughs> modern fair. day. So, is it like, oh man, I'm a werewolf boy. This sucks. Or is it like, all right, I'm a werewolf boy and I get to travel for free in a, a circus and not have a real job. This is awesome. Even though I'm being exploited, I kind of like it. Plus, yeah. you know, there's a lot of sw- swinging that goes on in circuses and sex parties, so that's kind of fun too. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I, I'm gonna. I don't have a, a total working knowledge of circus internal politics in the 1800s, but uh, right. <clears throat> it seems it seems like a pretty strange place. But you know, I mean, one of the things that I do know is that uh, I believe that there was pushback against shutting that stuff mm-hmm. down because these were places where certain people could get jobs and actually provide mm-hmm. for families and stuff. And right. they were taken away for X, Y, and Z reason. And right. now those people are out of jobs or were out of jobs. Right. So everything's relative. In my, in my town, there's a, what is called a midget show at the strip club every year. They call it a midget show. The little people who run it called it the midget show. Um, I'm happy to use little people, of course, but, uh, there are people that pick it every year and they think this is uh, not okay. And it's, you know, it's, it's not okay to abuse these people and, you know, celebrate their disability. And if you call it a disability, that's insulting too now, mm-hmm. but the little people tell them to fuck off. This is how we're making money. Go away. We don't need you to white knight us. Which I right. think it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of circus and cruelty and big game hunting, let's get into some of these episodes. Yes. Uh, I got to make the t- good segue the this time. Good segue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're doing two episodes today. We're doing Hidden Agenda and Bloodsport. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with Hidden Agenda. May I see your passes, please, kids? Look who's playing Hall Monitor. Okay, Hidden Agenda, story by Sean McLaughlin and Hillary J. Bader, teleplay by Hillary J. Bader, directed by Kurt Gaeta. In this one, the brilliant leader of a crew of Jokers plots revenge against Max Gibson, a fellow student who outperforms him at school. Terry's efforts to help her are complicated by the F- by her efforts to find out the true identity of Batman, whom she is convinced is a student at school, and her erroneous conclusion that Terry is one of the Jokers. So, 
I don't know what's the deal with the Jokers. I feel like the Jokers are very ill-defined in this show because are they? Oh, so they are. Yeah. Are they like disciples of the Joker? Like clearly, that's kind of what they're based on. But the leader Terminal in this is dressed like a fucking zombie. Like I don't understand what the right. What's what? What's their design yeah. ethos? I guess is is yeah. are they and who is he the leader? Is there uh-huh. are they are they yeah. like individual cells of jokers are these right. jokers the same it's like jokers the as from the first season where it's like they got the one guy who looks yeah. like the joker i assumed it was like the mob and you have different cells yeah and you have different small mob families and some mob families of jokers go more halloween joker and some go more techno joker mm-hmm. that's how i would do it anyway because in the the batman uh return of the joker one of the good uh-huh. jokers looks like the scarecrow yeah, he's all which, Halloween out, and he talks like uh, Christopher Walken, which was cool. Which, ironically, is actually the same voice actor who does uh, Terminal yeah. in this one, Michael Rosenbaum. Michael Rosenbaum, yeah, who played Lex yeah. Luthor. Yep, um, and uh, he's Wally Wally West in uh, in the Justice League show. Actually, I was at San Diego once when I was like 21 or 22, and I was nobody. I barely got published, and uh, I was hanging out at some table, and we had booth names. Back then, you hire hot blondes, whatever, to hand out pamphlets. So I had nothing to do. I wasn't signing anything. And I'm hanging out with these two blonde girls who, they were nice. And you know they liked me. I liked them. Nothing weird. And we're just handing out flyers. I'm like, oh, I might as well help these ladies. And it was fun watching them walk the show floor and how guys were just so transparent talking to them. And who walks mm-hmm. up but uh, Lex Luthor from Smallville. <laughs> and uh, he's got like a crew with him, or at least like one or two big bodyguards. And he probably just finished a signing or whatever and uh, i could tell that the girls had no idea who he was and he was sure that they knew exactly who he was and uh i really liked smallville when i first started watching it and i thought he was a great actor hmm. uh, And after watching him in that five minutes i thought he was kind of a dick and i don't mm. know if it's because he's actually a dick or because he was mooching in on my territory <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not sure i mean i don't know the guy but uh i i've he has listened- a podcast called inside of you so it's like an overt sex joke podcast and that seems to fit with the dude i saw yeah on my ladies back that, in San that's, Diego. that's what i was gonna say is it, it feels yeah. it feels in line with with what yeah. i have uh interesting show though he's it's i i i like the guests that he has on i've listened to it a couple times but sometimes i feel like he uh barrage he doesn't let people finish their quite their answers oh, yeah and he'll just kind of yeah. like throw more questions at them and uh, so, sometimes sometimes they are more in line with that sort of thing where it's like so who so so which one of them did you sleep with you know like like it's like right. baby baby howard stern questions sometimes uh but he's had some pretty right. pretty interesting people on there elvira was on and uh robert yeah. england and bruce campbell and uh yeah. really interesting yeah. episode with uh Stephen amell who plays arrow because he has oh, yeah. a he has a, a panic attack in the middle of it, and oh. he has to yeah it's really interesting he he's it's right after Arrow ended and he comes on the show and Rosenbaum can kind of tell oh, that, sorry is it filmed or is it just sound no it's just sound actually okay. uh, I don't think it's filmed he does film the show but I don't know if that episode was filmed yeah and uh, <clears throat> Rosenbaum can kind of tell there's something off with him. And he's just sort of like venting about stuff. And then he gets up and he, he's like, I'm sorry, I have to leave. And the episode kind of pauses and comes back. And they he had come back a couple months later to finish the show. And he talks about the whole experience. And he basically says, yeah, I just had a panic attack in the middle of the show and just kind of had a nervous breakdown from all of the weight of everything yeah. I had been dealing with. And it's it's a really – it's like I wanted to come back and talk about it because – you know, this happens to a lot of people, and I want to blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was a really interesting listen. I, I would yeah. recommend it. Yeah. It's funny. When I have them, I'm always happy when I know someone around me also has them. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to explain it. I can just have someone walk with me or not judge me or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's always nice. When I go out, I'm like, all right, who's my possible panic attack buddy? Who here <laughs> out of these 10 people is likely to understand that I'm a maniac and I'm going to lose my shit at some point? <laughs> That guy for sure, <laughs> and hopefully he's not too drunk, and he's uh, nice enough to know that it's okay if I hold his hand for a while, <laughs> in a not gay way. <laughs> uh-huh. Of course, because why would you ever do it in that other way? 
Um, <laughs> Actually, wait, full disclosure. Uh, I had one hanging out with you once. Um, you yes. and I were recording a podcast in Boston, and we went out. And this is before I knew that one of my triggers was alcohol and some other stuff. And it was raining, and it was like 11, and I just started having one. And I'm just like, I have to go for a walk. Would you walk with me? And you were like, okay. And you didn't give me mm-hmm. much shit. I think you knew at that time that I had these things. I don't know if you'd mm-hmm. seen one or whatever. And you walked with me in the pouring rain in Somerville and got wet. That sounded wrong. You got wet with me. <laughs> uh huh. Yes. And uh, I really appreciate that, man. So thank you. Oh, no problem. No, I you know yeah. I know how how in, intense and weird that stuff can be, and you know I, yeah. I have my own issues that that I deal with, and so it's I, I know it it can be very scary yeah. when that stuff happens. Yeah. Hopefully, I can be there for you one day, and if it requires getting wet, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Soaking. A innuendo um, intended, my friend. Mm-hmm. Intended, always. Uh, so what what did you think of this episode overall? Um, I'm so glad Max is here. I thought it was way better than the other episodes so far. She adds a subplot to it, which is nice. I love the character. I think she's hot as fuck, by the way. Um, <laughs> and uh, I started thinking, why the hell isn't Terry dating her? Because his girlfriend Dana is kind of boring. Max is way cooler. She's smarter. Uh, she's got her own interests. She doesn't just give Terry shit all the time for being late or working with Mr. Wayne. Uh, I like Max way better than uh, if I was Terry, I would date Max and not uh, the other one. Yeah, I, I was thinking that. I wonder if they're going to go that way with them because yeah. obviously you can do the thing where he and Max are spending more time together and Dana doesn't know why. And, you know, yeah. they, they do have that thing in common. I I liked this one more from a substantial mm-hmm. level than a lot of the other ones because the 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 few that we talked about before this you know my, my <clears throat> the thing that I that wasn't really clicking with me was that they were they weren't very story driven and they were just kind of like 20 minutes of action with a couple scenes where people talk to right. each other briefly yeah. and this one is a lot more character stuff and actually mm-hmm. batman story centric and terry story centric and uh mm-hmm. you know I don't. I kind of wish Terminal, the the Joker's gang leader, was a little bit more memorable of a character. Mm, uh, yeah. But as far as the actual story they're telling, I thought it was pretty fun. Like it, it, it yeah. feels more like this is what the concept of high school Batman is. Is something yeah. closer to this. I uh, am tired of Jock Bones. I feel like. Animation you, always you makes... and you and every nerd in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I'm glad that Stranger Things has '80s metal bully guy, and uh, he's who's also a jock, weirdly. But I feel like a lot of the nerds who uh, made it through that time in their life, who got into entertainment, are perpetually getting revenge on anyone wearing a letter. <laughs> by making them the bully. And uh, we already had a few jock bullies in this show already. Um, yeah. And I feel like, why couldn't this guy have been like a D&D guy? Because um, he has long hair when he puts on the makeup. And uh, while I think it's cool how the hair melts away when he's in the water, mm-hmm. I didn't think of him as a straight edge type of guy. I thought he could be just anything other than a lettered bully. Yeah, I think it's it's it works in this case because it is such a um, contrast to see the guy dressed up like the weird zombie is actually a clean cut uh, athlete, yeah. you know, high school athlete guy. Yeah, um, and I have my own issues with the the Stranger Things thing, and I may have said this before, but I as much as I love the character of Eddie from the most recent season, uh, everybody. That being everybody's new favorite character has rubbed me the wrong way a little bit because every mm. time I see like, oh my god, I love Eddie. He's so great. He's just like me in my head. I'm like, you made fun of this kid in high school. That you were yeah. not friends with this person. You were all part yeah. of the people who made this kid's life a living hell. So don't tell yeah, me yeah. that the D and D metal nerd is yeah. your favorite character and he's just like you. No, go fuck yourself. Yeah, <clears throat> I. Like that actor is amazing, by the way. Yeah, he's to, great. Uh, he's really good to make any kind of impact. Season four of a show filled with beloved child actors is hard. Oh, and totally. He broke right, yeah. right through, which is great. Yeah, I uh, I always had a soft spot for eighties 
nerds, even 80s metal guys, 80s metal bullies. When I was in Catholic school, I used to get bullied. And uh, one of the kids older than me, who somehow he was allowed to have long hair and wear disheveled Catholic uniform. Uh, he would always step in and defend me and beat up my bully for me. I don't know why he decided to white knight me, but I've always had a soft spot for 80s metal die because I saw them as heroic. Mm -hmm. uh, even though society judged them poorly with their long hair and their Christ-like abs, hanging out with a cut-off t-shirt near some Pac-Man machine at a pizzeria. You know, I always <laughs> love those guys. Yeah, no, they're great. That guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. No, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I feel like yeah, I love Eddie a lot, but I'm I'm I've never made fun of that guy. I always thought he was a hero. Yeah, and I'm not saying that everybody. Not everybody made fun of that guy, but I do think that that is a character type where traditionally, totally. when when you yeah. are in school, that person yeah. is not exactly the uh, everybody's best friend, you know? Right. He reminded me of um, the 1980s blob. The character that saved the day was uh, that really ugly Ethan Hawke looking kid who was actually the brother of... Uh, oh, what's his name? Ke you, Kevin Dillon? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that really ugly Ethan Hawke looking kid. <laughs> Well, well we ugly, just we just we just lost the listening listenership of the the Dylan household yeah. and possibly the Hawk household. Yeah, man, if you were just a little bit more shocked, I love that movie, but he's just one click too ugly for me to get behind. If you could have nudged it a little bit more towards his brother, I would have been down with it. Yeah, but I love okay. the. Uh, this the kid that everyone hates is actually the hero. I always thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that stuff's always fun because you know you, you, it's yeah. having having Doing your hero sweet. be the yeah, and who yeah. can do a sweet motorcycle jump over yeah. a ravine. I just watched that movie for the first time, like maybe last year. Great movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that oh, doesn't God. get talked about more. It, man, the body horror in that is yeah amazing. Like when the thing is sucking the flesh off, and there you walk into a hospital room, and there's this like half skull eyeball mummy thing i'm just like oh my god yeah that shit terrified me and that was the first movie i ever saw at a drive-in theater which is oh, a nice. great movie to see at a drive-in yeah yeah great like, movie. Uh, i'm not normally a, a, a horror guy but i've earned my bones in, in a few ways and uh being able to claim that I'm, I'm really proud of yeah that's a good one yeah yeah and i liked evil dead 3 before it was cool oh really <laughs> but that's about it though as yeah. you know <laughs> uh -huh. um but yeah, uh, anyway. I, you know, one of the things I do like about this is uh, I do like the the subplot that it gives Max because again, this episode it just feels like it's a little bit denser. I mean, it's not you know, War and Peace or anything, but it's just denser yeah. than some of the last couple we've watched because there is the Terry plot, there is the 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 uh, Joker's plot, and there is the Max plot, and they're all kind of going at the same time, and they're all kind of intertwined and stuff, and it just feels more satisfying of a watch narratively yeah. than i think some of the other ones have yeah sorry i keep thinking ugly ethan hot <laughs> sorry i'm gonna find a way to slide that into podcast from now on and try not to lose my shit <laughs> yeah um i noticed that kevin conroy wasn't in this episode at all which was yeah interesting. no no bruce at all in this episode yeah um so far season two has been a been a, a cakewalk for for conroy because he had like one line in the last episode, I think. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. it's interesting. Do you find it, do you find it interesting at all that it seems like they might be veering away from the old Bruce aspect and just kind of letting Terry be Batman on his own for a while? Yeah, I like that. You know, I know the suits would probably like five minutes of Bruce Wayne FaceTime. Mm -hmm. That's generally how those meetings go but if you're the creator you're like well we get bruce off the table for a bit why don't we just talk about terry that's where, creatively that's where i'd want to go you know yeah you too i'm guessing yeah you know it's it's a tough one it's such a toss-up because i always like I, when when do you when do you have kevin conroy's batman show up in any form and go eh, i wish he wasn't in this you know, That's fair, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> but, not like some ugly-looking even talk motherfucker. No, 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 <clears throat> no. If Kevin Conroy's old man Batman was the lead of the Blob, then it probably would have been a much better movie. There we uh, go. Yeah, but uh, I do, I do appreciate giving him a bit of a break because you know he doesn't need to be in everything. And there, are, there have been so many episodes that have been about 
mm-hmm. pull, pulling Terry between working with Bruce and his life that yeah. it's nice to see an episode that's just about his life and how this is kind of yeah. in, in, uh, impacting things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it, you know, he ends up at the end of the episode in a really healthy place where he's got a friend who's going to help him lie to his girlfriend. Exactly. So, uh, you know. Yep. Good uh, affair potential there, too. She's mm-hmm. already good at lying to your girlfriend, covering shit up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, uh, I wondered, um, I guess the one thing I was disappointed in, and it's not on this episode, but I wish there was a better follow-up episode where Bruce... Um, confronted Max and said, "Like this is really bad. This is a bad thing. This is not a good. This is we need to shut this down. Or can we trust this girl?" And Terry is the one who's like trying to get him to back off. And he says, "Like you don't understand, ma'am. You're asking me to do all this crazy shit when I should be doing homework for high school. I mm. need this. I need her. I can leave her alone. And it would be a good way for Terry to man up, to to stand up to his mentor, and for Bruce to back down." I think it could have been a cool follow-up to do like paranoid Bruce takes over and leans against Max a bit. And I don't know, but they never really yeah. had that because it's such a big deal that someone knows who Batman is and she knows right. who Bruce Wayne is. I mean, that could tank his investments, his company, I mean, just entire history, you know, and for them to be like, Oh, I guess, you know, now, okay, well, thanks for helping me delete the files and right. let's go to, yeah. let's go to study. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I couldn't help but think as the episode was going, I was like, man, Max is just, she's just a fucking narc, man. She's building, she's like using all this internet technology to expose who Batman is. It's like, why, what are you doing that for? You don't yeah. have, why, 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 he's helping people. Why, why do you need to bring down the Batman? He's not doing anything bad to you. Usually the people yeah. who do that, they have, these characters have like some underlying thing where it's like, well, mm-hmm. he's, he's actually a menace, blah, 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 blah. But she's just doing yeah. it because she wants to do it just for fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. I, it's funny. I think that I don't think this show is on the same level as the animated series. I, I said that before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see why fans love it. I think it's just in the bones of the show. I think having a future Bruce is old, Terry's young, and this kid is struggling with school, parents, and the missing you know dad who's gone, annoying little brothers. I think it humanizes Batman in a way no one's ever seen before and i think for any like 12 to 16 year old who was the right age watching this i think this just speaks directly to you i don't think it matters if some of the episodes aren't great i just think the bones here are so solid that's why people love the show you know i think a lot of people who love it love the concept more than some of the execution they were honest with themselves but it's still really good but yeah i think that's one of the things i was thinking when i was watching this episode yeah i would agree i think it's probably definitely more concept i mean because it's you know as as we've talked about previously it's spider-man right it's that's essentially what it is right and spider-man spider-man lands with people for the same reason and uh yeah and yeah they figured out a way to to make that work and um there there's just enough there's just enough relatable stuff in this to to a, a younger person that i that is more relatable than some of the stuff that they dealt with in the original show um, to to I, that I can yeah I can also see why this is this is beloved by so many people of a certain age. Totally, yeah. Like I, I feel bad harping on it. You know, getting into the rating, I thought, man, is this a four or a five? And I thought this if this was TAS, this would be a, a week four. Uh, yeah. But this might be a week five for beyond. Um, but yeah, you know, for my not to skip to the end, but I I think I was leaning towards a four on this one. But it's because the competition is so so light. Yeah, I, th- uh, I I would I would agree. I think it's probably a week four. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what what was what would you want to draw from this, if anything? Um, there was a chase scene with uh, two motorcycles and the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. I just did the scene in Beyond where I have Terry fighting Bruce in the Batmobile. Um, Powers hijacked the suit, so Terry's stuck inside of it forced to fight batman and he's just like oh my god mr wayne i'm so sorry as he's beating the shit out of mr wayne um so i just just did the scene that i just uh sent off yesterday i'm like oh man i love drawing chase scenes so i saw that i was like i love this i love drawing motorcycles then i thought you have hover cars uh everywhere why don't you have speeder 
bikes, why I have tires and wheels and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, these same exact bikes were used in previous episodes. Like there's a concept art of this bike that floated around because it's not like they came up with new bikes for different characters. They're using the same one. And I just think that's interesting. <laughs> they were just like, what? what's that bike design from episode three? Yeah, just give me that. I'm going to draw that bike again. Oh, Whatever. 100%. No, they're not designing new bikes for this yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, no, and they look good. <laughs> But I thought, how cool would it be if uh, that chase was like a speeder chase in the sky or something like that? Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty rad. Yeah, what about you? I, what I, do you want to I don't, I don't know. I had a tough. Nothing really stood out to me in this one. Weirdly enough, uh, hmm. I think this might be my first pass for for <laughs> things to draw because I, I don't know. I just can't. Yeah. Maybe maybe Batman fighting off the army of uh, chattering teeth at the beginning would be kind of fun. Yeah. Um, what about the elevator thing that wasn't even connected to a building? Um, yeah, I don't know what the hell that thing. Where where are they going? Yeah, where, is there something at the top, or is it just it's just a suicide elevator? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe you go up there and you take like a a, a slide yeah. a slide down to the building across the way. You know, one of the Jokers looked like a drawing of yours. Um, she had this like plastic-looking, crazy smile on her face. It mm. reminded me of what you did in Poser. Oh, uh, sure, yeah. I could see you doing a good uh, commission of that. Yeah, that would be fun. She'd be fun to draw. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Uh, well, never mind. I won't talk about that. That's a spoiler for for much later. Um, but uh, yeah, what did you think of the? Uh, did you like the Alfred joke at the end of the episode? Oh yeah, that was good. That was fun. Yeah, I I was happy that Max reacted the way that she did because when he said Alfred, I was like, "That's not a joke she's gonna understand." And then she was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. If this was rated PG. I think I would have had her go. What the hell is Alfred? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, man, it was good. I'm glad Max is around. I think that she has a dynamic uh, aspect to the rest of the series that it is sorely needed. Otherwise, the show is just a fight scene of the week honestly right with max there there's this other subplot that's always percolating in the background which you know yeah you know what's interesting Mm -hmm. is i wonder if maybe they no maybe not i was gonna say do you think they screwed up by not making just making max terry's girlfriend but Mm. i think it i think it actually works probably better that she's not because uh (laughs) poor suffering dana has to has to be the one that he lies to while Max can yeah. help him out behind the scenes. And I don't know if that would have worked quite as well. I would, the only reason I was thinking about streamlining it was because then you were, then you have this thing where yeah. his Terry's girlfriend is very uh, curious and industrious and looking mm-hmm. into this stuff. And so he has to try and keep his thing up that way as opposed to Dana, mm-hmm. who just doesn't really give a shit about anything really. But yeah, um, you know, I think this highlights how weak of a character Dana is. Mm-hmm. Like she's just normally complaining to him. and She's kind of a pain in the ass. Sure. She's like a hot Asian chick. And, you know, a lot of viewers are into that. Or had a girl in high school. that was like that. But, you know, Terry is 17. Uh, I dated some vapid girls when I was 17. And I thought I was in love and I wasn't. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe it fits. I don't know. But it'd be nice if he eventually learned that David Dana is just a waste of breath. And I don't know. Get into someone better. <laughs> Trade up somehow. Hey, yeah, maybe Max. maybe you're shortchanging Dana just because we haven't spent that much time with her. Maybe she's actually got her head. You know, she's got her feet on the ground. She's actually looking yeah. towards the future, and it's Terry who needs to get his shit together. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I think right now though, uh, she is dating up. Yeah, as you would put it. <laughs> but I wait. I love that there was an episode that built Dana better, re- redesigned her, bolstered her in some way. I know there's yeah. one where uh, Batman, it's a fan favorite episode, where he has to look after a, an egg to see if you're good at being a dad or not. And I sure. know she's part of that. Uh, the, the, that's the, the one, one, the one plot her. line that they do in every single thing that's ever taken place in a high school. I you know, they, but did, they even, did it on Saved by the Bell. They did it on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Every, every, every oh. show that has kids yeah. in high school eventually has that one episode where they have to take care of the egg for class. Right. Or the home ec class, or a bag of sugar, yep. a mm-hmm. bag of flour, or um, the dude who signs up for home ec because he wants to get laid, and all the other dudes had the same idea. Mm-hmm. You got to do that. It's part of being an 80s, 90s sitcom. Yes. 
Um, I think that's going to do it for Hidden Agenda. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Bloodsport. You want to fight, Dreg? Let's go. Cool. Impressive. You've drawn first blood. Now it's my turn. Okay, Bloodsport, written by Rich Fogel, directed by Dan Reba. And in this one, the stalker, a cybernetically enhanced big game hunter, comes to Neo-Gotham seeking what he believes is the only prey left on Earth worthy of his skills, mm-hmm. Batman. I'm going to say, right off the bat here, very little Kumite in this Bloodsport episode. <laughs> I think this I, is a mix. Oh, you finish your point. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I was I was expecting a lot more... Uh, Blood sporting in this, I guess. I fir- I thought Bloodsport might have been the name of the character when he showed up because before he yeah. got into his gear, because he is similar. Uh, before to he dressed car- up like dolls him from Street Fighter. Yeah. Uh, this. Uh, so I guess what is the worst? Is this character design better or worse than the the Aztec assassins from that? Mad Hatter episode. Oh, so I was going to say that. This episode feels like a mix of three. It feels mm-hmm. like Worry Men, which is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. you got a shaman running around trying to hurt Batman. It feels like Bane, because this guy is a hunter a bit, who yeah. wants to challenge mm-hmm. Batman. And it feels a little bit like Tiger Tiger, where um, you have this like African East uh, hunter type jungle aspect to it uh, here and there. Um, I, I might be getting the last one wrong. But yeah, this student, I, I started Googling while I'm watching it. Like, this guy, I feel like I've seen him before in season one in some way. And uh, I mean, he's really well animated. I mean, the amount of cuts and the amount of uh, color swatches they have on him, he must have been a pain in the ass to animate. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind the idea of a PTSD hunter who's been su- surgically altered against his will. And he's like, oh, that's fine. That can work. But I feel like this episode was also trying to do a brother story. And neither of them really landed. <laughs> yeah, the brother stuff with Terry and Matt is his brother's name, yep. I think. Yeah, yep. that stuff didn't really click. Uh, I, I apparently Bloodsport, sorry, the Stalker yeah. Yeah. Uh, figured figures out that he's Batman like very quickly <laughs> by putting uh, dust on him or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is a huge problem that again they don't address. <clears throat> Two episodes yeah. in a row where people figure out who Batman is, and it's not a big deal. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting, we mentioned the Spider-Man thing in the last episode. This is a, following that trend where this yeah. character is basically is just Craven the Hunter, essentially. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's, it's fine, I guess. I think the... Mm-hmm. Ironically, my favorite part of the episode is the flashback to his origin, because I think the animation yeah. in that is fantastic. That's what I would um, draw, too. Red, yeah, usually, simple usually vignettes. I don't, usually I don't care for that stuff. But I at this in this episode, I was like, yeah, we gotta, you gotta do something, I guess. And it, it looks really cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'll take it. Um, I was, I it was hilarious to me that they have this jungle battle on top of like a skyscraper somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it was a park yeah. with a big rolly ball in the, uh, in the fountain, right? No, that was the first. That was the last episode. Oh, oh, got it. Sorry. Yeah, that was where the the Joker's battle. Went. This one is like on top of a skyscraper that has like a jungle growing out of it. Oh, yeah, which is it's right. a pretty cool concept, but I just also found very funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually thought when I saw that I want to draw that building. I uh, mm-hmm. used to have this obsession. You know the Frank Lloyd Wright building in Pennsylvania, the Waterfall Mansion. Oh, sure, yeah. It's very much integrated into the river and the stones and the trees. And I always thought, man, what if a skyscraper was uh, built around nature and, like, rock formations poked in and out of it, trees, you know, something like that. And I got to do it with Punk Rock Jesus. I had the whole experiment with Jesus take place on this island off Northern California, and I drew the skyscraper that was very much, like, at one with the uh, natural surroundings. So I don't know why I've Mm. always geeked out about that stuff, but... That was almost the thing I wanted to draw until I saw the cool flashback scene. 
<laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense because it's a cool contrast, right, of of, of nature and man-made uh, yeah. glossiness of the skyscrapers. It's, yeah, totally. It's it's always going to look pretty cool. <clears throat> yeah. Um. But yeah, I I don't know I don't know how I feel about this this stalker character. Uh, yeah. It's fine, I guess. Um, it it the episode reminded me a lot of Curare, where it was just somebody shows up here to kill Batman, and then that's what it is. This one at least has a a, a bit more of mm-hmm. a backstory to what's going on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the thing with his brother, it's yeah, fine, I guess. So the bad guy doesn't even need the hostage. Batman's going to come after him anyway. All he has to do right. is leave them. A, Here's where I am. He doesn't need uh, Matt. Um, and I like that he was not actually going to hurt Matt. He was just pretty friendly to Matt. He just was on like, I'm just not looking for you. I'm looking for Batman. But he could have told him also, well, how did Matt not figure out that his brother is Batman? Not only because he shows up and he sounds like his brother, <laughs> which might be the first time ever that he's heard Batman's voice. I could be wrong, but um, is it? I think it's the first time he's ever seen Batman, isn't it? Have they ever crossed paths before? Not face to face is what I was saying. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I have to rewatch it again, which I'm not going to do because I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I feel like there's enough clues for even an eight year old to figure out. Like, wait a minute, why am I the hostage? <laughs> Yeah, I was. I wanted to spend more time at Cheesy Dan's, the, arc, <laughs> Not the arcade to be that has <laughs> with Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> right, Cheesy Dan's, the arcade with the 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 killer the killer video games. When I first looked up, I thought it said Steely Dan's. <laughs> oh my god, the most sardonic arcade you've ever been to. <clears throat> there were some interesting touches in this episode. Uh, did yeah. you notice that when they are? Uh, when Batman goes into the museum and he's like walking through the ancient whatever exhibit with the, gl- with the glasses, yeah, they have a giant totem pole that has big goofy glasses on it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is that gonna? Are you guys gonna address that? Oh, okay, no, no, that was definitely just something they did for fun. I like the uh, playground for the kids. It's Steely Dan's is a giant hamster tube for children. Yes. <laughs> as a kid i would have loved to play in that um but i can see that being an insurance problem now being a business owner yeah yeah i remember when yeah. i was a kid we would go to chuck e cheese uh it was in uh, manchester new hampshire and i was like five or six and under the stage where all the animatronics were under the stage they had a maze that was like three feet by three foot square that went underneath. So it was too small for a lot of parents to get to. Mm-hmm. And there were these bullies in there who would kick oh, the shit geez. out of you if you walked into the wrong room. So I remember uh, getting into a fight or avoiding a fight or helping a fight or running from a fight. I don't know. I remember getting out of there thinking like, I don't want to go back in there anymore. And th- Cause there was just this like one room and it was Lord of the flies in there and there were no way yeah. parents could have access to it. Oh, that's terrifying. Just like a couple bullies holed up in a maze, like a spider or something. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Like you walked into the wrong room, and they're just kind of crouched there because none of us could stand up. We're all on our hands right, and knees. Yeah. But they were in this like room covered with like carpeting on all sides, including the ceiling, and there was very few lights in there, and it smelled like cheese puffs and you know whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I was never, I never went to Chuck E. Cheese when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I how come? I we I don't think we had one really near us. Right. Uh I went to um we had a place called Bonkers, which was oh. like the next yeah. level up from Chuck yeah, E. Cheese. Had, it had like uh go carts and stuff too, right? Yeah, it had a big it had a Ferris wheel inside of it, which was the, the selling yeah. point. Was that like uh Saugus or somewhere on Route One? It's on Route One, yeah. Okay, yeah. And that was that was the closest. I so Chuck E. Cheese. I never went there. I yeah. I, I was uh, by the time I started going to a place like that, I was too old for Chuck E. Cheese. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't sound like I was missing much though. No man. I mean, I would have. I don't know when you got to be six three, but I could have used your help in there. <laughs> <laughs> I I would have loved to help you. I don't know if I could have fit in there. Is the problem? <laughs> when did you have a growth spurt? I honestly don't know. I have. I feel like I've just always been the tallest person in the room. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. Not when you're with Omas. That's true. That's true. W. Or my new Omas. assistant, 
Dave, who I purposefully hired because he would do in your place. <laughs> I guess that's not true. <laughs> Dave is a uh, part of a Fat Force Radio, and he happens to be six foot three. <laughs> no, he's like six, six seven five. or something. Six seven. Okay. Yeah, and he's, then, a, he's a tall dude. And having him was helpful because he's super nice. He has very low little footprint for someone his size. You can't really can't tell. Uh, mm-hmm. He keeps his his volume to himself. And then uh, that wrestler Omos came by, and then it was just like you know, large, medium, small. Yeah. And then seven me. foot, <laughs> seven foot three, I think. Yeah. Um, um, no. Oh, the one other little strange detail: uh, the Joker gang guy who steps out and he says, "Your money or a pie," which I thought was hilarious. Um, uh-huh. The voice of that guy is Mark Slaughter, the lead singer of the band Slaughter. Who sings the song "Up All Night, Sleep All Day" from the? How did you know that? Because I, I just i I pulled up the episode on IMDb and I saw his name, Mark Slaughter, and I clicked on it, and he's the guy from the band Slaughter. Because that scene had no point at all. It was just like, hey, we have a musician here. Let's make a clown. Yeah, it sounds like that's that's the thing that I'm so curious about in in these shows from this era specifically. When you get these episodes of whatever batman huh. i guess because that's what we're watching yep. uh that have like a recognizable name doing a voice mm-hmm. that does like a th- a line one line right what is the process there are, are they like yeah. is it part of a package i'm sure we've probably talked about this before is it mm-hmm. part of a package where like okay we have wb has hired mark slaughter to do mm-hmm. 10 like an hour and a half of voice work across six different shows and so okay now you're going to do this line for batman okay now you're going to do this line for tiny tunes okay now you're going to do this line for static Mm. shock oh is is that how it goes or is it just like i'd like to dip my toe into the world of voice acting Mm -hmm. can i swing by and do a quick line or something so they got henry rollins to do the voice of one of the jokers in return of the joker movie and then yep. he was Mad Stan. And I thought I heard right. his voice yeah. in this episode when he's Batman is fighting these guys at the car factory. I thought, I'm like, is that Henry? So, I, Like I said, I listen to a lot of Henry, and I can almost pick him out immediately. And uh, maybe they fly him in. They're like, all right, yeah, you're a heavy metal rock guy. Why don't you say these lines, and then we'll disperse your lines throughout different characters, and then you can go home. I don't yeah. know. If, if there's anyone listening to this show who is a voice actor – or has experience working with them and can answer oh. this question. Or is Henry please, Rollins. Or is Henry Rollins. <laughs> please reach out to either of us on Twitter or Instagram and tell us what the answer to this question is because I'm dying to know how it works. Or uh, it made me think about when uh, John Bon Jovi visited the set of Batman Forever uh, when uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was Mr. Freeze. And he gave Arnold a Cuban, and Arnold's like, "Paint that shit white. I'm gonna smoke it in the camera." <laughs> like, I'm like, "Wait a minute, wait a oh, minute." Oh, is that is that why Mr. Freeze smokes a cigar in that movie? Yeah, John Bon Jovi wow. walks on set. That's not even the weird part. You're burning paint and inhaling it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's incredibly <laughs> toxic. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, John said it was fine, but I would. But at that point, yeah. I'm like, "Wait a minute, wait. Can we at least have John?" in the background somewhere i mean we gotta have it would be a shame not to have him in there i mean he looks like eddie from uh stranger things season four right <laughs> it's funny i i always find it fun when that stuff happens uh my sister is a big was a big gilmore girls fan mm-hmm. and she was also a big rush fan yeah and there is an episode of gilmore girls where there is a crowd of people for whatever reason and getty lee from rush just happens yeah. to be in the crowd yeah. Because I guess his daughter was a big fan of the show, and so they went down to mm-hmm. visit the set, and they were like, hey, do you want to just jump in the back? Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So there's just, apropos of no, no reason, it's just yeah. there's a crowd shot, and there's Getty Lee from Rush just hanging yeah. out in the crowd. So there, I know a lot of, I've watched all the episodes. My wife is a fan, and I became a fan too. There is, for a very white, uh, whitewashed view of Americana, there is a staggering amount of punk rock references, like deep punk references and metal references mm-hmm. and music references. All I can think of is um, Amy Sherman Palladino, who I think wrote it, produced it. She hung out with those guys who was big into the music scene. She got Sebastian of, um, I forget his last oh, name. Sebastian Bach, yeah. Yeah, Bach to be a character who was amazing. 
Uh, he was a guitarist, and he killed. Uh, he's playing a, a, a humorous version of himself, and he was epic. He always stole the scene. You would see a bunch of random people, like, um, I, I can't even, there's a whole list of musicians that just walked onto that show, and mm-hmm. you can only think that that show was filmed on the set, where they have, like, a set of a town, and the studio needed to use use it for something, so they decided, well, let's just make it Gilmore Girls, and everyone just flies, in, or everyone just shows up. We all live in L.A. anyway. Just drive over to the studio. We'll film here every day. Once the season, we'll make it snow, which is expensive. And then it'll be basically a New England town. So all these rock and rollers live by who are hanging out with the producer. I'm sure it was easy for some of them to walk on set or at least help give like deep cut rock and roll references that came out of nowhere <laughs> in that show. You know, <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, I couldn't. I I tried with that show and I the the style yeah. of it. I just could not. It's so it. white. Even they were forced to put in a black character. They gave him like French lilting sort of not not the black kind of guy you think you'd want to balance uh the cast you know what i mean uh-huh uh-huh yeah <laughs> yeah for me it was it was just like the style of the dialogue i just couldn't it was so fast-paced and just uh, like oppressive oh. <laughs> <You know>? yeah <laughs> like I, the scripts for I, that I, they complained it was a script and a half like it was literally 50 yeah. percent larger than any other script and you had to like ramble through it like you were out of breath even like male characters spoke just like the female characters yeah 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 i couldn't do it i i, I tried one or two episodes and it, that that thing yeah. was just which is funny because i really loved the show that she did after that the uh marvelous mrs Maisel. right a, a well, great show i really did. liked that a lot I hate that I know this, but she did a show called Bunheads after that, which tried to oh, recapture yeah. uh, Gilmore using the same set because they have a town inside that studio and they might as well use it for something. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah, it was Marvelous Miss Maisel, which is way better. But Paladino is obsessed with female characters who come from extravagant wealth every single time. Mm. Like she's romanticizing yeah. while every one of her friends is wealthy, even Miss Mabel. Like it's getting. I, I felt it a little annoying. It's just like, what is your obsession with rich people and celebrating rich people? And the fact that everyone in your cast is white. And now listen, I'm not the most politically correct guy. Like, I try to be woke, but oftentimes I struggle. <laughs> and I'm saying this, like, Jesus Christ, the show is white. <laughs> I mean, when you go, uh, some, they had a documentary on it, and some soldiers overseas were like giant Gilmore fans. And they would, all these white soldiers, would watch it while they were in Afghanistan. And it reminded them of America and how the in the way that things are or the way they wanted things to be, which also happens to be a very white show. Like, hello, big flag there, right? I mean, anyway, it's my rant. <laughs> Man, I didn't realize Gilmore Girls was such a supremacist-leaning show. <laughs> it goes in that direction very quickly if you're with the wrong people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, everyone involved, of course, is not like that, but it's, it's picked up with the but some would say is the wrong audience here and there. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. That makes that episode where the the mom and daughter go to Charlottesville make a lot more sense though. Anyway, sorry. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure it was me who got us <laughs> off topic here. It was, it was probably me. So, uh um, getting back, there was one scene yeah. that had no place in this episode. I mean, two. You don't need the clown in the pie. In the very beginning, Terry is in a car factory taking down some carjackers and that has literally nothing to do with the rest of the show well that was the thing i wanted to draw actually was the the guy with the laser chainsaw hand no i think that that was was henry rollins oh really okay Uh, but yeah that that was a cool that was a cool futuristic kind of like looking guy i was like that would be pretty fun to draw dude with like a laser chainsaw hand um you know i mean it was just uh uh what's the word um I, th- I think it was just meant to be like a, another mm. mission that he was on or something like that. Right. But yeah, it's not even like they don't even do the thing where he's on that mission and then they cut to like the shadowy figure watching him complete the mission. or something. Right? That was the thing. Yeah. That was the thing that turned me off about this whole concept is that like you don't see you don't see the stalker do any work really mm. to, yeah. to hunt Batman. He just kind of shows up and he's like, yeah, I'm here to fight Batman. And then it just happens. Like, you know, you don't get him. You don't see him watching him at the beginning or, or yeah. following him and, and preparing. He just kind of yeah. checks into his ho- hotel, 
strips down to his underwear, paints himself with some war paint, and then goes yeah. out to fight Batman. Why didn't he tip the bellboy? Just because he's a bad guy? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, he he took really good care of uh, Terry's brother. But he can't be fucked. It's, it's, it's the kid. The he's got other things up. on his mind. Yeah, he's got he's got he's got vengeance. Well, not vengeance, but he's got death on his mind. Hunting. He's got boredom on his mind. He's just laser focused. So when he has this, uh, he's carving symbols into the ground or something uh, of animals that he's killed. Uh, you know, there's a bear, a boar, and finally he carves a bat. So I go, okay, wait, did you kill Bear Man and Boar Man? <laughs> All these other characters first. I mean, is this the first human you killed? Oh man, if you label yourself animal human person, this guy's coming after your ass. It is. It is the most dangerous game. Did you think about Hard Target at all when you were watching this? No, because I enjoyed Hard Target more than this. It's. If you ever uh, rewatch that for uh, your other Patreon, let me know. I'll get on that on that shit. Yeah, we just actually watched that uh, at our friend's house outside a couple a month or so ago. Oh, does it? Man, does it not hold up like we expect? <laughs> oh, it's fucking great. It's it is absolutely nuts, bonkers nuts. But it's it is well worth a watch. Right. Uh, the, I was reading about some of the behind the scenes stuff, which was really interesting. But I won't get into that here. But let's just say uh, yeah. there was one person on the set that nobody liked. I'm not going to say who it was, but you can probably use your imagination and figure out who it was. Yeah, I'd love to know when uh, JCVD woke up to that or decided to start caring. You know, like what moment was you like, all right, I need to fix my reputation. Maybe when he got off drugs. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You know, the thing about Hard Target was, you know, what as I was a a, a a young comic book fan, desperately starved for any comic book related content outside of comic books themselves. Yeah. I loved Hard Target explicitly because when I watched Hard Target, I was I said in my in my mind I said this is the closest thing to a Gambit movie we're ever going to get. Oh my god. I can't believe you just said that. That's where I was going. I used to think JCVD should be cast as Gambit. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know why. He was why. the fan cast. I think he was the fan cast for a long time. Like, remember oh, when they did... Uh, it was like a Wizard Magazine those, article? Yes, the Wizard Magazine things, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, the only one of those right. that actually came true was Patrick Stewart as, right. as Professor X. And he was Belgium, so he had a French accent. Okay, I guess it's not mm-hmm. as weird as I, I thought it was. And he had the but, big uh, coat. He had the big trench coat. And he yeah. had the... He had long guess, hair. Yeah, uh, I guess... Did, unfortunately, yeah, a mullet. Yeah, Gambit didn't really have a mullet, though, right? Had, well, he actually, some... he did. Unfortunately, this is what made me almost not like Gambit. Is uh, in, <laughs> When Jim Lee was drawing him in the Claremont revamp, uh, Gambit takes off his black head sock at one point, and he's got a long-ass ponytail, and it's party oh, in the back. Oh, that's right. Yeah, now, yeah, I thought it was sort of like, a, not a bowl cut, but more of like a, I don't know, emo haircut. So, wait a minute. So, is all that... Yes. That crazy hair that it's sticks stuffed. out of the top of the of the sock. It's stuffed right? into his head so, sock. No. So is it folded up and over? Is it like a oh. mullet comb over? So the craziness coming out of the top no. is actually the mullet part folded up? No. Because that's, so that's awful. He had a distinguishable... I'll send you a link when uh, we're done talking. But it was his hair was clearly like eight inches long in the front. And then mm-hmm. three feet long in the back when he <laughs> when he wasn't wearing his head sock. The Shawn Michaels special, yes. But that's a good Jim Lee question one day is asking him. That would be you uh, You know how you would interview Kevin Conroy only about Cheers? <laughs> you would interview mm-hmm. Jim Lee only about Gambit? <laughs> <laughs> I um, feel, there's got to be a more a, obscure thing I could dig into for Jim Lee. Oh, that's probably right. You know, it's funny. I was so I was dying to see Jean Claude Van Damme as Gambit, or um, I didn't see him as Dial uh, from Street Fighter. I thought of him as more of like Ryu, who I talk any white dude to play Ryu, basically. Well, and, uh, except for the fact that Ryu's supposed to be Japanese, but I didn't know that. I've only played the yeah, games. No, nobody knew that. Nobody in America knew that, or Wait, or no. cared even. No, you're right. No, I I meant to say Ken. I thought. Jean-Claude Van Damme would have been Ken, who was from Alaska. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ryu is from Japan, uh, even in the games. Okay. <laughs> but, he, my... but again, even in the games, I don't think any child in America playing Street Fighter was like, oh, yes, Ryu, he's Japanese. Right. Well, I didn't understand why if Japanese 
uh, why manga and uh, anime had characters with big eyes because I like they look like Americans with their bigger eyes. And I'm not going to go mm-hmm. further in that because I don't want to sound racist. But you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Like, what? Why did they <laughs> embrace that so much? Speaking of racist, <clears throat> oh boy, is this is this is this episode is this character? It's not great, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Jungle villain, black, yeah, shaman, yeah, I get it. Like it's it's uh, it's not the best look, I would say. If you did it now, I think you would say, if you make him the bad guy, you have to have a black guy who's a good guy who's on you know, the other side of it, basically. When I first started playing Street Fighter, I thought all the characters have big eyes, so they're clearly all Western American fighters who are dispersed around the world. Until I got to Chun Li and E Honda, who looked Asian, so I'm like, well, why? So is Sagat not from Thailand? Is he from America? Because his eyes are big, and I was young and stupid. I don't know, <laughs> but it, so, it threw yeah, me off for a while. He's from Sorry? Poughkeepsie, yeah. <laughs> the Poughkeepsie Sagats and the, the the comedy background up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't I don't know about this one. It's fine, I guess. Um. I'm going two. Two? Yeah, I'm probably going to do this. Do the same. Yeah. What would you want to draw from this? Uh, the flashback scene. Yeah, I think I think the stalker could could do with a redesign. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I, I understand what they're doing, but I don't know if it's the best way to go with it. Um. Yeah, I think it would be kind of fun. I I would agree. I I think drawing the building with the the trees and forest and stuff coming out of it is very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to draw cheesy Dan basically at the end of the day. Yeah, what does cheesy Dan look like? Is he a, is he some sort of anthropomorphized animal or is he just a guy? Oh, yeah. Maybe is he just a guy named Dan. He's the you know how he's the boar man that soccer killed. Yeah. He's a giant mouse, man. And that was one of the hieroglyphs or whatever he was carving into the rock. Um, so, actually, fun side note. Do you Have you ever had to draw... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> your, your name is Cheesy Dan? I don't think I have anything for you. You might not want to get into the villain game. Maybe open up a, an arcade for children instead. The... the Brand manager must have to say to people, must have to turn people away sometimes, you know? Like, there's nothing I can do for you. You walk in here talking about cheese, and you're on your own. Good luck with that. Yeah. Cheesy Dan, do you, do you not remember the Condiment King? My greatest failure, but also my greatest triumph, great design. I put a lot of work into that, but it just didn't work. And I don't think Cheesy Dan is going to do any better. Not in this climate. Did we talk about how we wish the uh, Condiment King would have been the villain in your Red Hood? Yeah, we we had we had mentioned it a little bit where we were trying to find a place to put him in, but it didn't end up it didn't right. end up coming through. But uh, or Rewire uh, was the character I helped design back in the day that I totally forgot about. Right? Yeah, we had talked about that too. I was uh, when what we were the... kicking around ideas for characters. I was like, oh, what about that guy? I mean, you designed that guy, but I don't know. No, about you him. didn't point that out till after. And I, you're totally right, by the way. I mean, oh, really? Oh, yeah. I showed you a character design. And you were like, "Wait a minute! You made this for anime. Why didn't we use this guy?" And I'm just like, "Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I eh, miscast him as poorly as uh, ugly Ethan Hawke was miscast in the '80s blob." There it is. <laughs> that '80s uh, ass you... looking Ethan Hawke motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> not motherfucking ugly Ethan Hawke, which is clearly right. racist. Right. Right. Uh, the only other thing of note, I think, with this one is uh, the voice of Stalker, Carl Lumley, is goes on to be, much like Michael Rosenbaum, goes on to be the voice of Martian Manhunter on Justice Oh, League. cool. Yeah, awesome. Didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, and he played, he was actually, he got to play the father of Martian Manhunter on yeah. the Supergirl show on the CW from a few years ago, which was cool. He's a good actor. He's always, he's always good when he shows up and stuff. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, okay. I um, I think that's gonna do it for <clears throat> Hidden Agenda and Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to support our show, tell all your friends about it. 
give us a rating review in iTunes. We have a Patreon where sometimes uh, Sean and I will do Batman-related stuff at the patreon.com slash the Penske file. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Next oh, episode, man. we'll be yeah, back. Wait, 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 wait. Gambit's yeah. hair in the animated series is totally a fucking mullet. Wow. <laughs> Just putting that out there. It's almost like um, a bishop. You know what I mean? Oh, interesting. With two little that's, short. That's the mullet. Short bits at the front, right near the forehead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's that was important. <laughs> that's that's it for me. Uh, next episode, we'll be back with uh, once burned and hooked up. So thank you guys for listening, and we will see you then.